0: good to see out this morning. I started looking forward to this service about at 11.30 last Sunday after we dismissed. It's always good to be with you, and uh, we continue our study this morning, and uh, it's not about me. Rescue from a life we thought would make us happy. Um, I'm glad you're here. I don't know what you may be needing today but I want us to go to the Lord and ask him to speak to our hearts would you join me right now would you bow your head with me father thank you for the privilege and opportunity that we have today to look into your word collectively and to come and to worship you what a wonderful thing and I pray father that You might speak to our hearts today do a work that only you can do change us how great it would be that if not one of us would leave this place but different than what we've come Lord what a humbling thought to stand before these people and to share your word and I just pray that you would hide me behind the cross this morning And that Jesus might be exalted and work and have his perfect way in each heart and life. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be looking at Exodus this morning, right around 32, 34 chapter. So if you want to get a head start there, as you can see, um, that'd be great. Um, Just in case you weren't here last week, and maybe even if you were, sometimes they say repetition is a good thing. And so some of the things we looked at last week was, if you remember, 2 Corinthians 3.18 is our key verse. And if put it into a nutshell, like we did last week, it's focusing on Jesus. Remember why? For he what? (laughs) Anybody? For he changes me, right? All right, get that down now. Focusing on Jesus for he changes me we saw that God doesn't exist to make a big deal about us but we exist to make a big deal about God the God-centered life works and it rescues from a life that does not that's a great statement the one that we spent a little bit time on last week was when God is present the difference is obvious We looked at 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where it tells us that if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. We know that verse. All all things have become what? Thank you. You're with me. Okay. You know, what about, just one more time this morning, real quick. We probably all know people, maybe in our family or in our circle somewhere that say, I'm a Christian but they continue to sin. How does that align with 2 Corinthians five seventeen? Well, let me say it doesn't align very well at all because the difference between a Christian that sins once in a while because we still have the old nature and a person that says they're Christian but is habitually sinning all of the time is a vast difference. One's in the family, one has deceived themselves. I cannot continue in sin and get away with it because God loves me too much, amen? I mean, that's what the Scripture says. That's what 2 Corinthians says. If I really am saved, if that person really is saved, they have a desire to go to church. They have a desire to meet with God's people, to worship Him. They have a desire to get into the Word of God every day because they have a hunger for that, that God has placed within them. And those are all proofs. Of salvation well this morning I'd like to start off by asking you a question are you satisfied maybe you haven't thought about that for a while and may I back that up by just saying this that one can a Christian can never be satisfied unless they have Christ preeminent first place in their life all of us want to be happy. We want what satisfies, and yet when we get those things that seem to satisfy us, it never seems to be enough. Have you noticed? Man, I've saved, and I've saved, and i saved, and I finally got that new car, and it was great for a while until some buddy backed into it, or I wanted to get that new house so that I could even serve God better because it was bigger and it was better, and, and it got old. Things come and they go, they satisfy, and the satisfaction disappears. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, I will be their God. Write that verse down. I don't have it on the screen this morning because I got it after I did the PowerPoints. Jeremiah 31, 33, I will be their God. You say, why is that important? Because if this alone does not excite your soul, if this doesn't help your heart to beat a little faster, then your soul is not healthy god alone ought to be our satisfaction that's what that verse is telling us we long for more than present delights always craving more always hoping for full, for fulfillment when i will be there god is the masterpiece of promises and it makes a heaven below focus on jesus and your soul will always be ravished with his love Can you live up to your privileges in Christ? Yes, you can. You need to recognize that. And we can rejoice as well with unspeakable joy as we continually, key word here, continually seek him, continually consider him. It's not that we just look to Jesus one time and think everything's going to be great and I'm just going to grow by osmosis. No, you are going to get out of the Christian life, proportionately what you put into your Christian life. It's just like anything else that you want to be good at. I, along with a team of missionaries, short-term missionaries, went to the mission field just like some of you are getting ready to do, and it was in Honduras. And we did a lot of different things. It was towards the end, and we were in our last night of meetings, and they found out that the pastor, which was a native of the country was just diagnosed with cancer. And so they wanted us to pray before we left for healing. I was not the leader of the group, but the leader of the group asked me to pray. I'd never really prayed publicly for anyone. He came forward, we laid hands on him, and we prayed that God would heal him. Shortly after that, he went back to the doctors, and the doctor said, we can't find any sign of you having cancer. I prayed for my wife of 32 years that God would heal her of cancer, and he did not. I'm cancer-free, 12 years now. I've been struck by lightning once. Really, once is enough. <laughs> I had five or six years ago um, a swelling in my leg, and, and then... Um, I was I walking every day, and I was getting short of breath and short of breath, and, and finally one day I said, I can't do the regular track here. I'm going to have to head home, and then went home and went to the doctors, and they thought first of all I was walking pneumonia, and for 10 days I walked around with a cluster of blood clots in my lungs. I went to the emergency room, and they put me in the ICU and gave me a clot buster, and and uh, which took a toll on part of my lungs, but I'm glad to be here today speaking to you. They, the nurses, as I was leaving, said, uh, see you later, miracle man. Later, the doctor said to me in his office, he said, you know, with the, even though you were in the, uh, the ICU, if one of those clots would have moved, there would have been nothing that we could have done for you. You look at life a little different when any one of those things happen. Any one of these gives me a different perspective on life. It has been said that God always heals. And if you consider that he takes those home to be with him, sometimes, yes, he does always heal. Amen? In John 6, 2, and verse 26 as well, some followed Jesus because he met all of their needs. Is that why you're following Jesus this morning? What if he stops? Matthew 7, 28, and 29, some sought him because he was a great teacher. But in John 6, 66, others stopped following him because his teaching was hard. Here's the fact. Jesus doesn't always meet our expectations of him. He is the provider of eternal life, John 6, 47, and 48. He's good and wise and loves to forgive. He stays close and brings us comfort. And as we follow him, we find rest in him as he is and we keep following him. We find rest in him as he is and we keep following him. Psalms chapter 31 and verse 14, I trust you, Lord. I say, you are my God. Can you say that this morning? Do you know that emphatically? Exodus chapter 33, Moses' anxious plea for God's help God tells him to take those people and to, uh, th- he's going to lead them to the promised land. And so Moses gets up and a million plus people begin to follow Moses and, and uh, they're all going their own way and, and Moses having a hard time keeping them all together. They're pretty discouraged as we'll see. And so Moses is praying and asking for God's help. Let me ask you a question this morning. Has God ever told you something to do that you didn't see any way that you could do that? Maybe for some of us this morning, it's happened more than once. Could I share a quick story with you, Uh, or something that happened in my life? Six and a half years as a youth pastor in Birmingham, Alabama, the youth group grew from 25 to 185 the first year. God was blessing that church. There had been now seven on staff, and we were visiting a little town in Pennsylvania and we were i was sitting i remember sitting along the i was just sitting along the curb okay this is the curb right here i'm sitting along the curb with thousands of other people we're watching the parade go by and i'm looking into their faces just like i'm doing you now and it was just like god was sitting right here have you ever had that experience and he said hey look at their faces they're empty because they don't know me and god began to speak to my heart and say i want you to start a church and I'm going, I was like Moses. And it's like what he said when I was sitting there. I'm going, I'm looking around saying, well, you must be talking to somebody else. You can't be talking to me. I've never, I don't I don't know anything about starting a church. I've never been to seminary. I'm a youth pastor. I've never gave a, what I called a formal invitation. Long story short, we ended up in that little town. No place to live, no place to meet, and nobody supporting us. Now, I would encourage you to do that unless God tells you to. And he met every one of our needs. My brother met me the same day that we pulled into town with all of our stuff. And he said, hey, listen, I know you've been praying for a house. I want to tell you about one that's just come available. It's da-da-da-da-da. da 3 things that I had prayed specifically for that house had. What an encouragement. It came the night before, well, the day before I was out visiting people and uh and knocking on doors and saying hi i'm starting a new church if you'd like to come uh, we'd love to have you and i visited this family of five and um they said they'd be there so the night before the service here i am i've left all of our friends in a church that we loved in birmingham a great mentor by the name of Dick Van that I'm still thankful for today for his investment in my life. And we left all of that to come to a place where nobody asked us to come except God. I was physically sick because the devil was working on me so. You can't preach. Nobody's asked you to come. You pulled up your wife and two little children And to move up here, you you gave up a good salary and and a church and a ministry where people loved you. Finally recognizing who it was, I told him, leave me alone. Just beat it, get out of here. He has to do that, you know. Don't forget that. The next morning, I stumbled through the message, first official message of the pastor of the new church ever. Stumbled through the invitation. There were 25 people there. That was exciting to me. And seven people, including those five people that I had visited all from one family, trusted Christ as their Savior. And God said, see, all you got to do is trust. Amen? And that's the same way in your life, folks. Obedience. What's the definition of obedience? Obedience is saying, yes, Lord, comma, now what is it you want me to do? But what we want to do is have God tell us all of the things that he wants us to do and we start checking them off. That's okay, yeah, yeah. I ain't doing that, forget that. No, obedience is saying, yes, Lord, now what is it you want me to do? Obedience is three parts, and I know this is not in anything that we're throwing up on the screen, but if you want to write these things down, I think it'll help you later on. Obedience is doing what you are told, when you are told, with the right heart attitude. So, young person, God asks you to take out the garbage and you're playing your video games, you have to decide, am I going to do what God, no, what God, no, what Dad asked me to do, or am I not? So you do what he asks you to do, not later, but right then, when he asks you to do it, and what if you take that garbage and you're just going out and you're slamming doors and kicking the can and kicking the dog on the way out and you have a lousy attitude? Is it obedience? No what you are told, when you are told to do it, and with the right heart attitude. And that's what God desires from us. Has God told you anything to do lately that you feel anxious about, that you feel you cannot do? Here's a verse for you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? Moses is encircled by Israelites who long for Egypt. That's so ironic to me. You know what uh, what Egypt represents? It resents slavery. They're wanting to go back to slavery. They are so discouraged. They're in the desert. It's hot. It's dry. They're thirsty. They're hungry. They're miserable. And Moses says, God, I need you. Look at verse uh, chapter 33, and let's begin with verse uh, 14. As soon as I find it, all right, there it is. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall we, how shall it rather, be known that I have found favor in your sight and I have in with your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we will be distinct? Hey, listen, before we go on, if you're in Christ, God says you're part of the family and you're distinct. People ought to be able to look at you and see a difference. That's why focusing on Jesus is so important because he does what? Changes us. All right. And I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth, we're different from every other people on the earth as Christians, as God's kids. You think that would be enough? God said, I'm going to go with you. Just get up and get going. And Moses says, that's great. I'm ready to go. But he says, could I have just one more thing? And that brings us to the essence of the message this morning in verse 18. Moses says, God, could you show me your glory? I think if there's anything that's needed in America today, if there's anything that's needed in the average church of America today, if there's anything that's needed in your life and and my life, it's to regularly for us to see God's glory on a daily basis. Amen? It's all about him, as we learned last week. Moses is leading a million stiff-necked, unappreciative, cow-worshipping ex-slaves who grumble about every step they take. And just a couple months ago, he was out being a shepherd. Those sheep weren't complaining. They weren't asking to go back to slavery. Moses was aware of what the people could do. He's aware, and we can do the same thing. And to put it into a nutshell, we move away from God so easily. And it happens when we don't spend time with him. He comes down the mountain, and the people are dancing around a golden calf. The memories of God as still as yesterday's manna. And God is ready to destroy them. Verse chapter 32, verse 11 through 14 and 31 and 32. But Moses pleads for mercy, and God hears his prayer and is moved. Listen. When our deepest desire is not the things of God or His favor, but God Himself, we cross a threshold. And all of a sudden, there is less self focus and more. God-focus. When you came into this building this morning, you came in through the door, there was a threshold there. You determined to go from point A outside to point B inside. The threshold is a sign of protection. It protects us from the weather. It protects us from critters and all of the rest. We come from one place to another. And when our deepest desire is not what God can do for me, but God himself, and that's all. We cross a threshold, as it were, less self-focused and more God-focused, less about me and more about him. I don't get bent out of shape when somebody doesn't consider my opinion. I don't get bent out of shape when the carpet gets changed and I didn't know anything about it. I don't get bent out of shape. You fill in the blank. We can live with an aging body. We can't live without him. You say, I can I'm a Christian, and I know it, and I've been living without him. Yes, you can choose to do that, but let me say, kind sir, dear lady, you're missing out. You're not an, uh, experiencing all that God has for you in this lifetime. You're living a subnormal Christian life, not as God intended you to live. Perhaps you would say this morning at the beginning, in the offset of a brand new year, I'd like to see your glory more, God, and in my life. Would you make that your prayer? Moses' prayer was, show me your glory. And in that, he was asking God to stun him with his strength, to numb him with his wisdom, and to still his breath away by looking at the Lord Jesus. One glimpse of your glory. Look at chapter 33, verses 19 through 23. And he said, I will make... All my goodness pass before you. This is God answering Moses' prayer to see a glimpse of him. And I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see it and live And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. Sounds like a hymn, doesn't it? And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you will see my back, but you will not see my face. In chapter 34 and verse 29, we see the impact. Moses descends the mountain. And his face is so bright the people could not even look at him. That has 2 Corinthians 3.18 focusing on Jesus, for he changes me all over it. Listen, others will always know when you spend time with God. The dot, dot, dot. And they'll always know when you don't. It is the only thing. That will transform you into the image of christ and that's god's goal for every single one of us so you see it's not us it's not a one-time thing you see being with god moses could face anything even a million plus complaining israelites and when you are with god you can face anything also i asked us this morning Shouldn't Moses' request be ours? God, show me your glory. Change me. Keep transforming me into your image. A few years ago, God gave me a... God given you anything lately out of the reading of the word and so forth. Isn't that exciting when he does that? Here's what I got, and this is what I like to share every time I get a chance to speak. I've shared it with you before. Salvation is not the end. Please don't settle for just the assurance that sins are forgiven and you have a home in heaven. Because there's so much more that God wants you to experience, not then, but now, in this lifetime. Salvation is not the end, it's just the beginning, and the Christian life is what you make it. And that's why I was able to say last week you are as much like Jesus today as you've chosen to be. You're as much like Jesus today based on the time that you have spent with him. We can't depend upon once or twice a week coming and c- worshiping collectively, as important that is. Please understand, when you're with Jesus during the week and you have a worship time with him, and when you come to our services, it's going to be entirely different than if we have a group of people that won't do that. Show me your glory. Keep changing me. Oh Folks, I know... We have problems. We're living in dying bodies. You say, Tell me about it. We're walking on a decaying planet. We're living our lives with critical people all around us, self centered. There's cancer and there's war and there's the disease, and on and on and on it goes. There are relational issues in our families. And in our churches, you remember when you were small. Now some of you gonna to have to think back a while, but <laughs> you remember when you were small and the whatever it was was in the closet or under your bed. Why do they always go to those two places? I don't, I don't know what. Else. And you cried out, and your parent came, and you looked into their face. And everything was okay. You can look around and find fear, and that's pretty easy in the world we live, isn't it? And it's getting easier every every day. Or you can look at the Father and find faith and comfort. The choice is yours. And that's what Moses did. And that's what you can do. You can choose faith over fear will you the story was told of a farmer I don't know if this is true or not his donkey fell into the well it was an old well it was dry so he wasn't down there drowning or anything but it was an old donkey and the farmer he kept thinking what am I going to do how do I get this donkey out? So here's what he began to think. You're not, you're not going to like it. Okay. He thought, well, the, the uh, donkey's old and the well needs filling in. He said, oh, you know, you don't mean. I do mean. He, he called his neighbors and they all brought their shovels and they began to shovel on top of the donkey and the donkey just cried, a pitiful sound, if you can imagine, and pretty soon it stopped. The farmer was amazed when he looked in, and he watched as the shovels of dirt would go upon the donkey's back. He'd just shake it off and stamp it down and get a little higher and a little higher and a little higher, and he walked out of the well. You say, that's a cute little story. Why'd you tell us that? Life and people are going to throw dirt on you. You can choose to shake it off, stomp it down, and go higher. And that's God's goal for every single one of us. As we begin a new year, would you join me in asking God to reveal himself to you? God, show me your glory, I don't want to remain the same. Because the basic fact is simple. Listen to this, don't miss it. If I'm not more like Jesus Christ today than I was yesterday, then there's something wrong with my Christian life. That's what that word transformation is all about. You look at that ugly little caterpillar that turns into the beautiful butterfly that's transformation that's what God wants to do in your life and in my life every day and it's not enough again to just come on Sundays it's not enough just to have a time with him in the morning and close up the Bible and say our quick little prayer and run off to school or to work or whatever we're going to do he wants to be involved in our lives all throughout the day that's focusing on Jesus And I need to do that because that's the only way that I can what? Change. 2 Corinthians 3.18, would you make it your light, uh, this year's verse for you, as I have? Focusing on Jesus for he, let's add a word, alone, changes me. Salvation's not the end, folks. It's just the beginning. Don't be satisfied with just know you're going to heaven and your sins are forgiven. When God says, I've come that you might have a life and have it to the fullest, even with problems. No matter what you go through, that's God's promise to us. Always there, always faithful. Transformation. That's the work he wants to do. Remember, that's God's goal, conforming us into the image of his dear son would you bow with me so how about it eyes are closed heads are bowed has the Holy Spirit put his finger on an area of your life this morning saying this needs a little bit of work or this needs to go what will you do about that or were you, are you willing this morning to pray that prayer like Moses did God show me your glory And when he came down off the mountain, I might have skipped that spot, but you you know what it was. The people couldn't even look at him because his face was so bright. He didn't know it. He wasn't even aware of it. See, Jesus can change us and others can see that and sometimes we don't even recognize what he's doing. You say, Pastor Grant, Holy Spirit has put his finger in an area or so in my life and I'm joining you this morning I'm praying today and will make it a prayer every day this year. God, show me your glory. Continue that transforming work in my life that you began the day I was born again. Would you just slip up your hand and take it down? I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. Please pray for me. That's my desire. Thank you. Thank you. Many, several hands. Thank you. I want God's best in my life. God, show me your glory. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Father, I pray for these. Lord, we can't even imagine what a difference there would be in our families, in our own lives. In our churches and in our country if we would have Christians that would say I recognize it's no not about me it's all about him and pray on a regular basis that God would reveal himself to them so I pray for every one of these folks that lifted their hand God You've promised to do just that. And so we stand upon that promise this morning. Continue that transformation process in our hearts and lives as we cooperate with you to be all that we can. That people might look at us and see not us, but Jesus. And we'll thank you for that. Heads still bowed and eyes are still closed today. This is all secondary. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior today, you can leave here different than what you've come. And that's God's desire. That's His will. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're here today, And you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of your sin. May I encourage you to do that. You can leave different than when you've come. Not just physically alive, but spiritually enlivened as well. Could I invite you you to pray this prayer silently as I lead you? Dear Jesus... Thank you for leaving the splendor of heaven, coming to this world, being crucified and raised again, because you loved me. And I ask you to do for me right now that which I cannot do for myself. Come into my heart, into my life, and forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sin. I turn from that which I know to be wrong, and I turn to you this morning. I know that you alone can give me that fulfillment. You alone can give me purpose in life, and I pray that you would do that now, and I claim it as your promise, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.